0: back. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. This is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I love thinking about cool stuff, so come think with me. Hey, if you like this channel at all, um, if you're listening on the podcast or you're watching on YouTube and you like this, you've learned from it, you've benefited, please consider joining uh, my Patreon team. Become a patron. You can find the link in the description uh, of, of wherever you're listening to this or hearing it or uh, watching it. Uh, another way you can support is if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. If you're listening uh, on a, some kind of app, please go to YouTube and subscribe. That would be huge. And then uh, the third, above and beyond, if you want to go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five star review with a comment, that would be huge. I really appreciate that. Uh, the more you guys, the more of you guys who do that, the less I'll have to talk about myself in the beginning here. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into today's topic. We're going to be talking with. A personal hero of mine, uh, Doctor Victor Reppert. We'll be talking about his work on the argument from reason. So let's just bring him in, Doctor uh, Reppert. Thanks uh, so much for for coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, th- thanks, thanks. Yeah, uh, interesting. You had, I guess, you had Bill Hasker on uh, uh, a couple, uh, or last the last time you did one, or pretty yeah. recently.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bill is really one of the founding fathers of the argument. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, CS, well. I don't know who the real founding father is. I think it goes all the way back to it, it, I mean, the versions of it going back into Plato and stuff yeah. like that, but just yeah. uh, in the, uh, in the 20th century, I think, uh, the, the one that started it, uh, uh, was, uh, actually the prime minister of England, uh, yeah. Arthur, Arthur Balfour. Yep. And my, um, I learned that because my dissertation advisor, Hugh Chandler, was in um, was over in England Mm -hmm. and he was trying and and he noticed that uh, G.E. Moore in an in an essay called The Value of Religion Mm -hmm. uh, was one one of his earlier essays uh, was was doing a reply to an argument from Balfour. And he was Ah. producing arguments that that uh, dr chandler thought echoed hmm. the arguments that uh that elizabeth anscombe yeah uh, launched against uh against c.s lewis
0: yeah
1: <laughs> so good. and so and and so then you know well i better get you know since gosh uh repert who was i was writing my dissertation then on um, and uh about, and I had, I, I had written, uh, uh, an essay that was published that ended up being published in Christian scholars review in 1989 called, uh, the Lewis Anscombe controversy, a discussion of the issues. Yeah. And when I, what, but when I was working on that, um, uh, uh, Hugh found this, this, uh, this, uh, this book in, in a bookstore and in, in one of these old English, um, uh, bookstores wow. of the uh of of, of uh, arthur balfour's the foundations of belief yeah which contains a, a, a section that is very similar to the original edition of c.s lewis's miracles in 1947 yeah. and the argument is is, is very is, is very very similar and um uh actually that uh that copy of balfour's book uh which which uh dr chandler gave me 30 years ago is sitting on my nightstand ah. uh, as as we speak uh, right right by, right by my bed <laughs>
0: that's awesome that's awesome I, so i have the i have the google uh google books uh, edition okay, it, it's been it's been did scanned something
1: to my uh to to my uh,
0: oh yeah no problem
1: yeah. Uh okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I knocked, knocked my earbud out. Oh, so. Yeah, no
0: problems. Yeah, so I, I have um I, I love Balfour's Foundations of of Belief. Um I have like the Google um uh copy, you know, edition. So it's yeah, it's like been scanned and it's not the best quality, but
1: yeah, it works. It's there, yeah, it, it it's it's there. But this is this is actually I think a a 1915 or something like that Ooh, copy wow. and it was, it was it was it was it was it was it was given to me by by Dr. Chandler um uh gosh in like 1987 or something when he wow. got, when he came back from his uh, his his uh uh sabbatical or uh, hmm. uh Back years and years ago, uh, now, but it's I still have that copy That's because so I, cool. I was looking. I was looking up the the Balfour passages again to see mm-hmm. see how they compared with. And there's a uh, there is, I think, uh, some similarities. I think yeah. uh, between some of what Balf some of what Balfour does uh, in other parts of it and uh, what you see in Alvin Planica.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that, I've noticed that as well. Yeah, he, he seems like Balfour is kind of the the grandfather of both the evolutionary argument against naturalism and Lewis's argument from reason.
1: Right, right. Although I I think I think the the, the arguments somewhat diverge. Total Their similarity, and, yeah. and I pointed that out to Al uh, when actually what happened was that in 1989, 1990, uh, for that year, I had the junior fellowship to the Center for Philosophy of Religion. Mm-hmm. At the exact same time, uh, Bill Hasker was a senior fellow, ah. and so no, our, our our work got on this stuff, got published. Uh, Bill's big book on it, uh, which was it was actually the third chapter of his book, uh, called The Emergent Self, yeah. Uh, that's really, uh, if you want to study this argument, uh, in any really sit down and understand this argument uh bill's uh bill's uh chapter there is the is sort of the in many ways the precursor to c.s lewis's dangerous idea which came out four years later which i wrote yeah. uh in in 2003 mm-hmm. but his uh a lot a lot of uh uh we kind of work together on a lot of stuff by uh, you'll you'll notice that some. Um, that some of the uh, some of the he uses some of the stuff that I u- that I developed in um uh in uh in in the in the 1989 essay the Lewis Anscombe controversy yeah. he picks up on some of that in the emergent self
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then I pick up on a lot of the stuff that he came up with in uh, going from the emergent self to C.S. Lewis's dangerous idea and then then on and beyond that so that's uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of the history. And, and, and of course, was in 1989, 1990, we were the fellows there. Yeah. And Al Plantinga was just coming out, was, was presenting early versions of mm-hmm. that chapter from Worn and Proper Function.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
2: Which
1: developed that. And that is where I said, well, you know, there's some similarities, not just in Chapter 3 of Miracles, but I noticed that, uh, at least with the, uh, with respect to, uh, I, I thought there was a similarity also with the with the con with the use of probability, uh, in uh, chapter thirteen America, yeah. yeah. which which provides a parallel to um, the. Uh, I think I think there are some differences in that. Um, uh, Al is a pretty thoroughgoing externalist. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's claiming, okay, you know, the justification is kind of a modified reliabilism. I think he's got going, Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, in his version, um, you have. Whereas Hasker, kind of says, "Well, if you if you really have a thoroughgoing externalism, the argument doesn't really work." Mm uh, and so he's, uh, there, there's, there, there's some kind of tensions between the two of them, the yeah. types of arguments. And there are people who made arguments that says, look, this is, isn't, you know, it's better not to use it as a, as an externalist argument, uh, planning it. It's, it's very, very much said, well, it's conceit externalism. It's still worth what's, what I find interesting is, is let's just start with sort of the basic premise of the argument. Yeah. Which is that that we uh, achieve truth through reasoning, okay that is to say that our our reasoning patterns or however whatever these patterns there are certain reasoning patterns that when we use them they drive us toward the truth okay mm-hmm. uh that's a that's an assumption now if you if you go uh now the thing is this isn't this is a basic premise that uh, a naturalist, a typical naturalist, at least, is going to have a very hard time denying. Right. Okay. Now, for example, if you say if you if you go up to a naturalist and say there are objective moral values, okay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? There are there are objective moral truths. Uh, uh, theism explains that better than than atheism. Therefore, we have good reason to believe that theism is true. Yeah. Uh, one thing that a naturalist is going to do uh, might do is to say well s- yeah, you're telling me there are these objective moral truths uh i don't believe that right yeah. this uh it's uh, maybe that's it's all basically a social construct sure uh you know and therefore it isn't really literally true that you For example, it is wrong to inflict pain on little children for your own amusement. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay, one of my one of one of my favorite expressions from (laughs) one of of my old teachers, uh, Doug Arner, Hmm. um, uh, at Arizona State University. Uh, You know, oh, that's that's not that's not literally true. That may be, you know. Uh, maybe everyone in our culture believes it. But, but as a fact, that's not something that needs to be explained. That's not a piece of ontology you've got to have an ex- explanation for. OK, mm-hmm. but now if you go. For, so those things, those, that's just subjective. OK, well, when it comes to logic and inference, uh, it's very it's hard to make that move because then you're, you're saying basically well, well i mean i mean look at what let's say richard dawkins does
2: mm-hmm.
1: when he explains why scientific ways of knowing the world are better than religious ways what he says is well we over here in the science department we use evidence for our positions. We, now you guys, you don't you 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 just ignore evidence, you don't pay any attention to the evidence. But we here in science, we you know, we use evidence. And he writes this letter, he puts in in one of his books, he puts a letter to his daughter there, his 10-year-old daughter, saying, Well, look, I'm not gonna try to get you to believe everything I believe. All I'm gonna say is if if somebody's trying to get you to believe something and they don't have any evidence for it, you know, you don't have to, you know, you shouldn't have to listen. Right. Uh,
2: don't,
1: don't, don't pay any attention to what they have to say. Yeah. Okay. Or, uh, Christopher Hitchens, who says, uh, that, which is, uh, that, wi- that which is asserted without evidence, uh, can be dismissed without evidence. Okay. Yeah. The famous Hitchens razor. Okay. And then, you know this is uh, and and it, so if you have a theory of the world where we never ever use any rules of inference to 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 show that one thing follows from another yeah. in other words we never recognize any ground and consequent relations okay in the world um if it, if it turns out that this naturalistic universe that somebody like Dawkins or Hitchens believes in has as an implication that this never,
0: ever happens, mm-hmm.
1: they're in trouble, right? Right, <laughs> right. Because, because on the one hand, they're saying... What what makes it great about the way we figure things out is that we infer things, we use mathematics, we use logical truths and so forth and principles of sound reasoning. And we don't just just buy things on the authority of of religious institutions. We actually infer our our beliefs. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, They say that right uh and that's what me- that's that's what makes us so special but if it turns out that their very universe uh as they understand it renders that impossible such that it never happens mm-hmm. then they've got a problem right and so an arguments from reason basically say yeah you've got a problem yeah because you believe in something called uh that well it used to now when cs lewis does his argument uh he he uh describes it in he he describes a physical determinist view of the world where everything yeah. is literally where cannot be otherwise than what it is given the, what the whole system is and the whole system is a mindless system. And it's causally uh, closed too. Right? It's, it's, but, but uh some people have come back and said, Well well wait a minute. Uh now uh, what about those physicists over there? who think that that the physical isn't uh the physical isn't deterministic yeah what about those guys well lewis kind of thought I, god are really saying that they're really saying that there's a sub nature as well as a nature and they aren't really hard to believe that they're really good naturalists
2: well mm-hmm.
1: and uh here's where but uh, he doesn't have to say that, all, yeah, uh, because so long as the physical is causally closed, yeah. uh, I mean, that's, that's, a big, uh, that, that's a big item. It says basically that really two qu- twin claims uh, that, that, that raise questions as to whether there can ever be anything like rational inference if some naturalistic view of the world is true. The two claims are the mechanism of the physical and the closure of the physical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the mechanism of the physical that says at at its base, what causes anything to happen in the world is not anything mental. Okay. In other words, there's nothing mental at the base level. Mental stuff doesn't cause does is isn't isn't the real driver of yeah. of 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 it. What what drives things is simply the laws of physics and the positions, of the atoms. Okay. That's that. And maybe there's a chance factor in there. Maybe, maybe it's not fully and completely determined, but that doesn't give you give room for anything outside the physical to come in and influence it mm-hmm. because that would violate the print, the second principle that they believe in, which is the what's called the causal closure of the physical. OK. Mm-hmm. And so you have a mechanistic ground level system and you have and it's a causally closed system, which means nothing from outside that system can have anything. Uh, you know, in other words, you have sufficient or all the all the causal estimation you're ever going to get for for any uh, for for the position of any particle has to be given at the physical level, which is per uh. Per uh, definition, uh, mechanistic or and by mechanistic, I mean that none of this mental stuff has anything to do with it. Right. OK, mm-hmm. so that get, this is now this is developed. I, I have seen uh, actually, uh, uh, you know, atheistic uh, or, or naturalistic philosophers calling this chance and necessity, physicalism, hmm. okay. chance and necessity, physicalism. OK. And if what you believe, is, and and this is a very widespread. I mean, I've seen defended. I just saw an article by, um, uh, I think it's the guy's name for Tanner Edis and Martin Boudry. Hmm. Okay, and then I think there's a, there there is an article by Tanner Edis talking about chance and necessity physicalism. Uh, this is this is this is a widespread position. Yeah, Daniel Dennett in, what's Darwin's dangerous idea? I remember my, my book's called C.S. Lewis's Dangerous right. Idea. What's Darwin's dangerous idea? Well, Darwin's dangerous idea is basically, I mean, and he thinks this is something that, that, that can be um, that, that can be expressed across the board. His idea is, you always have to, anytime you have a mind, for a mind explanation, right, you can replace it at a more basic level with a mindless one
0: yeah okay
1: crane, cranes and skyhooks right? cranes Cranes are where, where you where you where, where you're basically working from mindless explanations those are the cranes
2: mm-hmm.
1: right those are what really drives anything if you if you have a mind sort of explanation and you don't and you can't somehow cash that out in terms of a crane explanation, all right, if you have a then you've got what's called a skyhook you've got a dangler in here you've got something that where you're just simply asserting that a mind did it and you're not really ex- giving a genuine scientific explanation so for example uh and the reason why this is Darwin's idea is this uh let's just t- let's just take explain why my heart is in the right place Okay. Mm. Now, if I believe that I have a creator, right, I have a creator that wants me to survive, right, and therefore he is not going to put my heart in my big toe, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't work, right? So, he's not stupid. He's going to put it right in my chest where it, where, where it can get blood to, the, to to my whole body, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, okay. So, doesn't that prove the, the fact that my heart is in the right place? Doesn't that Prove that there is a God that put it there. This is just where it, belong, where it ought to be. Right? There's a tele- there's a teleology that that appears to be satisfied here. Well, right. Darwin comes along and says, oh, "Wait a minute! Uh, look, we, we've got we've got creatures that repl- replicate. Right? Some of them survive. Some of them don't. The fact that uh, those that, that happen to have hearts in the right place." Through a long, complex process, those are the ones that survive. Okay. And therefore, we don't need this mind right. to have put your heart in the right place. We can yeah. replace it with this complex, um, uh, the, this extensive set of trial and error processes, mm-hmm. right? So that we don't need to put them put some somebody's mind, you, we don't have to make this a mind first explanation. I mean, we can sort of say, yeah, the purpose of my heart is to pump blood through the human body, but that is, doesn't mean that somebody has got a purpose of putting that heart in there so that it will pump blood there through the human body. Right. Yeah, yeah. There is in fact a, a purely physical process that's doing that. That's that's, that's going to serve that purpose, but it doesn't actually have there, there's no intended purpose. There's no mind producing that purpose. Everything's really mindless, but it ha- it has the appearance of mind. Well, if you do that with the mind with the mind itself, hmm. uh, then you're saying basically these mental explanations that we give, where I say I believe in evolution because of the fossil evidence, yeah. right? I believe that there was uh, a, a a Lucy existed, right? Uh and uh Lucy, not not I love Lucy, but you know, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> uh but uh, the Lucy of of uh, of the African genesis of 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 human race. This this was early fossil. Uh yes. was it was this this, this female, apparently, you know. For one of the first human females, right, uh, going back to you know prehistoric times, I yeah. you know, we believe that this 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 was uh th- this was a step in the evolution of man, right, because of fossil evidence. That assumes that one one event can cause another, another event, not exactly by being the, the ground of it. Mm-hmm. But by by our recognizing our, our 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 being in a mental state of recognizing mm-hmm. that this evidence supports this conclusion. Yeah. OK, well, what that. But though, but but basically uh, uh, a, nat, a, a naturalism that I'm, I'll make the case that a naturalism. Taken to its logical conclusion is going to claim that this isn't literally true. Right. That, uh, that therefore, therefore when Dawkins says, I believe uh, you religious people believe in, 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 in your religious beliefs because of some sort of prejudice, right. Or some mm-hmm. sort of w- wish to believe it, hope that there'll be a future life and so forth. But we believe what we believe based on evidence, Right. Uh if Dawkins' own worldview is true, then Dawkins isn't literally – then what, what Dawkins himself says about how he forms his beliefs is not literally true.
0: Yeah. Dr. Ruppert, is that – is that position then? Um, would you say it's self-defeating or self-refuting? Do you do you take a, a th- stance on well?
1: The thesis here is 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 a, is a. I mean, there are different kinds of self-defeat. There was a famous essay by J. L. Mackey yep. uh, called uh, "A Self-Refutation of Formal Analysis." Okay, mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, there are certain types of of st- uh, 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 there are different ways in which something can refute itself. One way is simply by being a, being a logical contradiction." OK, now, naturalism isn't a logical contradiction. We'll, we'll agree with that. OK, there's nothing natural, nothing. Uh, if if they say there is nothing but matter, that's not a contradiction. Right. Yeah. If you say there is nothing but turnip, a turnip and a little whipped cream on top of it. OK, that is that is the extent of everything that exists is a turnip. And, and a little bit of whipped cream on top of it. Okay. That isn't, uh, that isn't uh, literally a self contradictory statement. Yeah. However, if you assert it, then as the asserter, then, well, wait a minute. There has to be the turnip and whipped cream. Somehow that turnip or that whipped cream has to be making an assertion. Right. And if that turnip and whipped cream isn't a mind, then it can't make that assertion, so yeah. uh, so therefore that thesis is is uh, is, is rolled out. Yeah. And then, of course, not only do we do we do we actually assert now, now not now now most materialist philosophers think that we actually have beliefs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now some don't. Right. Some say that when we actually analyze the brain, we're not going to find any beliefs in there, yeah. and that means there aren't any in there. Uh, but they think that somehow if we translate every if if we get this uh, is this called eliminated materialism yep. okay it's uh, the, uh i i wrote two essays on eliminated materialism uh, bill has a great chapter in the first chapter of um of the emergent self on yeah, like what what can't be eliminated what can't be eliminated yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. uh and and, there, and and he basically says what the, what they promise you is that there will be some that 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 somehow when we do neuroscience we won't mention any beliefs that somehow it'll somehow mean the same thing as as having a belief even though it's not really a belief right. and uh, and uh, Bill said, that's just not going to happen yeah uh, it's not the, the you're you're kind of like you know you're cutting out the very ground the, the whole I mean the whole thing that makes logic and language um uh it's 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 like saying you know they, they say what's folk psychology
0: yeah right <laughs> uh
1: but but the problem is i mean i i could say i i you could you could nail me as in in a contradiction right i could come out and say oh uh that's the that's a law of non-contradiction that's just a bunch of folk logic it, i'm not gonna ignore your argument uh
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: uh, you know, uh well then that's that, that looks like, uh, that lo- it looks to be. And of course it's, it, it's going to take some work because they, uh, they, they claim that that you're be uh, the illuminating materialists claim you're begging the question. If you say that, that yeah. their position refutes itself. But I actually sat down, uh, in a published article and came out in, I think, 1990, 1992. Um, I wrote it all in 1990. I remember it. I remember doing it. And, but, uh, uh, I actually analyzed the uh, the fallacy of begging the question and huh. uh, tried to show, and I think did show that uh, the argument uh, that 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 when we when we hit eliminate materialists with a self refutation charge, uh, we're not uh, actually begging the question. We're not actually committing the fallacy of begging the question yeah. because it's just part of the very essence of our language our speech how we think uh that that it's it's in propositional terms it has a lot has certain logical presuppositions and if we contradict ourselves we we know what yeah. we should i i know there's this stuff called paraconsistent logics but
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> even there you've got you've got to have some kind of constraint to, to get off something once you once something's gone wrong
0: right yeah and so it's it's that um, and this is why I wanted to bring in. I wanted to talk to you about transcendental arguments because it seems like that's a transcendental refutation of eliminative materialism. The fact that they have to presuppose folk psychology in order to rail against uh, folk psychology.
1: Yeah, right. And, you know, and and of course, of course, their their their, their speech is loaded with it, right? right? You know, but but they say, well, just just and they they can't really express their positions in genuinely eliminative terms. Right, but what they what what they say is well when we when we do when we do the the you know in the, the, the they, they write this very this big promissory note <laughs> that says once we once we have an ideally completed neuroscience you know then uh, uh, then all our epistemic notions will be preserved, but there won't be any logical truths or any you know a, a, any any. Folk psychology. There, there, won't be actually any beliefs. Right. Um, yeah, uh, uh, again, uh, you know, not uh, uh, you know. As, as I say, they're they good the 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 person who really uh, uh, specifically used the transcendental type of argument. Although I think she didn't said it wasn't one, but uh, was with Lynn Baker. Uh, okay, passed away a few years back. Um, and uh and uh, Bill developed her argument in 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 uh, this chapter called What Can't Be Eliminated.
2: Yeah. And yeah.
1: but the thing is, then then you have uh but but then if you say, okay, yeah, you know, we do have beliefs, right? Then the question is, well then what causes what in the world? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have you have this mental level where you have one one event follows another event in our thoughts, right? yep. But then what explains how one event follows another event in the world? Well, if you have a causally closed physical, it looks like it, 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 it may seem as if there is there, there is some con- some connection with the between the mental content and the, you know it's a fusion matter future mental content such that you know uh the fact that something follows from something else has something to do with why you believe it yeah but if you believe in a causally closed physical uh core um no yeah well (laughs) not gonna happen and it is that's not really what's happening and so that's that's that that's what's called uh with respect to mental causation this is called the drainage argument um i didn't uh, i i there's a lovely essay in in uh um uh, Christie came out a couple of years back i uh i, I wish i had been I, I wish I had it when i been, when i was writing a couple of essays that i was uh called uh, the argument from Mental Causal Drainage yeah and uh, the idea is it doesn't if 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 you really have a a causally closed physical uh, it's Jaguan Kim Uh, did a lot of work on he thought it was very problematic. I mean I mean there are a lot of people were going around saying okay well look the mind supervenes on the physical and since the mind supervenes on the physical what that what what that's going to mean is that if you have a mental state following a mental state but it supervenes on a physical state that causes another physical state uh, therefore the mental causation really works okay it's still literally true that you believe something for the reasons in question yeah uh, and Jagwon Kim said, "Wait a minute, uh, you know." Uh, and he was he was a physicalist, uh, somebody who's trying to articulate physicalism, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he started seeing really serious problems, and uh, with all of that, because he thought, "Well, look, that, that that isn't really the causal transactions are going on at the physical level; they're 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 making a real difference."
2: Yeah,
1: and in fact, of course, mm-hmm. when when we re- when we try to reason, right. Sometimes we follow the principles of sound reasoning and sometimes we don't. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. But we always follow the laws of physics. So. uh, So how can you attribute my my concluding something to the principles of sound reasoning Mm -hmm. when I'll only follow the principles of sound reasoning just in case. The physical permits that,
0: yeah, and that's the that's the drainage from the the mental causation down mental to the causes. physical. Because it drains yeah. away, and that's yeah. that that was the
1: that was the central theme. There was a, a, actually, it's kind of interesting because uh, Anscombe critiques C.S. Lewis uh, mm-hmm. initially, but Anscombe basically said in, in Lewis's original work he didn't re, he never really distinguished between what are called ground and consequent relations. Uh-huh. And cause, cause effect. and effect relations, mm-hmm. and 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 Anscombe came back and said, "Look, you know, you're just saying, oh, you're just saying irrational causes, right? And yeah. therefore, therefore, everything's irrational causes, and therefore, naturalism is not true." And I said, "Wait a minute, you know, there there's there you are there are different types of questions that you can ask. You know, the question of the reason and the question of the cause, and you know, these are two different questions." And I think uh, she was influenced at that point by the later Wittgenstein, mm-hmm. who really put reasons and causes into different language games. And so they couldn't conflict. Yeah. Now, the trouble with that is if you're an, if you're a naturalist, you can't go too far with language game theory, because what that's going to do is, OK, you've got a, a scientific explanation for um, for let's say the emergence of human life, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have people who read the the uh, the, the Book of Genesis and get a, a different uh, account. That that uh, and if you push Wittgensteinian theory far enough, and I had a professor in uh, a philosophy professor who was very Wittgensteinian, a man by the name of Peter Winch,
2: mm.
1: and Winch. Uh, was famous for saying, for example, you can't take witchcraft operators in in uh, in Africa and say that they are somehow benighted because they don't know that because they don't know any science and they, they make causal claims that aren't true because science is in one language game different language witchcraft yeah. is in another yeah. and the same thing with the creation story and darwin and he he was he, he, i took his class he, he said exactly that he said wow. he said there's no conflict between the creation story and darwin because these are <laughs> in two different language games yeah well probably that's not going to that, that's that's not going to make anybody happy right mm-hmm. that's not going to make the creationists happy if they really think that their claims are true and that the evolutionist claims are false yeah. it's not going to make the evolutionists very happy either because they're going to want to say, you know, we don't need this, this God stuff because yeah. we, you know, uh, somebody like Dawkins, he's not going to like it.
0: Right? And that's, that's the charge of like the, the radical um, subjectivism people want to right. claim for yeah. the later Wittgenstein.
1: The, the later Wittgenstein. So, so i mean, Anscombe was influenced by the later Wittgenstein, but Lewis comes back when he revises his chapter and he says, okay, we have, we have ground and Consument over here. We have we have cause and effect over here. What do these have to do with one another? Mm-hmm. They all presumably exist in one world, okay. And Anskom responds, and he's and uh, Lewis's revised chapter. Uh, Anskom writes a couple of responses to it. One one is uh, one was in her was was in her book of. Uh, of essays, and then he she actually went to the to the Oxford C.S. Lewis Society and gave a talk on, on the same thing. And she mm-hmm. he, and she says kind of the same thing in both places. She goes into more detail in this talk in at the Oxford Lewis Society. I that just came out in 2015. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it, it's in yeah. a what's I have her essays? Yeah, it's 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 not her volume of essays, but it, okay. it's this volume of C.S. Lewis yeah. essay. It's apparently. Yeah, that's 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 where you get this short version, and then she mm-hmm. gives a somewhat longer version. It was actually a talk that they they recorded, and you can look at it. Cool. But she says kind of the same thing in both places. What she says is, and it's good to have that Anskom thing out there with you. There's oh by the way, there's an online source from uh, from Aaron Smild, uh, who actually puts up Anskom's response, Lewis's short response to her. Lewis's uh, uh, original essay.
0: Yeah, that, and, and that's from, uh, um, yeah. They re- I got the original too. Self self contradiction of naturalism. Naturalism.
1: Was- yeah. Right. And, yeah. and he, he changed the title with Cardinal Difficulty of the Naturalist, yep. but in a way, it's it's it's, it's still a self refutation type argument. Sure. In that it's 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 a it's it's a self it's self refuting when you try to say it's justified when you try to say that your belief systems track truth right uh that's where that's where the that's where the contradiction comes in because you, you you because a naturalist doesn't just say naturalism is true but they also say when you think about the world and you look at and and you accept the fact that scientists think about the world yeah. right And they use proper inferential methods. This is what we come up with, right? Okay, but if it follows from naturalism that you never this never happens, right? That in fact their their very description of the world is such that we don't, in fact, reach truth by reasoning. Mm -hmm. Okay, then they've got a problem. Yeah, so they've got they've got to back off, right? I mean, I mean, they they've got they've got either uh either start looking at their causal closure principles or looking at and in fact that's what i think that's what i think is happening with thomas nagel yeah sure uh this uh, you, you know tom nagel uh, tom nagel is 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 i mean he's it, it, the similarities between Tom Nagel and the pre-pre conversion C.S. Lewis
0: are I know. remarkable. I write in all of all of my Nagel books. I go, oh Lewis here, oh Lewis here, oh that sounds like Lewis. Okay, exactly.
1: A- I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, he, he, when he's talking about. You know, I don't want there to be a god. I hate yeah. this idea. Oh,
0: gosh! I know. If I can I just it. get out
1: of believing. And, <laughs> and, and and you read "Surprised by Joy," and 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 you start finding these passages where yeah. he's a, he just then, talks about then, the fear of religion. Yeah. Boy, C.S. Lewis has got it. You know? Yeah, Mind and Cosmos, and and and, and, um, and he and, the, and what he does, and, and, and or or the last word, which is I think as oh, much. Yeah, sure. It's is is as much, and he's saying reason somehow reason. Nagel's argument in both of those, reason has to be fundamental to the universe. Right. Okay. And, and, but he says, oh, if I can only find a way of, of holding this without actually believing in God. Well, C.S. Lewis did the same thing. Only he, only there was a whole school of philosophical thought available to him that allowed him to do that, which was called absolute idealism.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so he said, and so he's he's persuaded by the argument from reason in in what he as he talks about his his a, a, a exchanges with Owen Barfield. He mm-hmm. is, is having these exchanges with Owen Barfield, and Barfield said, "All right, got it. You you've got to trash this whole idea of chronological snobbery, where modern ideas are somehow better because they're modern." And but the, but he also says, "And your your theory, your your naturalistic uh, Bertrand Russell type theory, which is what he he not." Bertrand Russell's uh, the a free man's worship, yeah, right, and he, and he says, look, you can't th- this position, Russell's position. We're really acts as Russell says in in a free man's worship. We're accidental collocations of atoms. Well, if we're yeah. accidental collocations of atoms, then then your belief that we are accidental collocations of atoms is, an, is another accidental collocation with atoms, and yeah. it therefore isn't really inferred from any uh, scientific evidence, and therefore, yeah. uh, therefore, your position's incoherent.
0: Yeah. Well, and it, it, Dr. I I I uh I want to get into to your work here um because I, I want to get into your work from um C.S. Lewis's dangerous idea here. Um so oh, I, that I, book. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Did I write I, I, that? <laughs> I love this one. But but first let me lay out like the, the hard core of the argument that, that you say, just in case someone isn't tracking with this, and then we can go into some specifics of yours. So okay, you say yeah. um that the kind of the hard core is no belief is rationally inferred if it can be fully explained in terms of non-rational causes. And that's C.S. Lewis's uh 1960, you know, revised chapter three. Right, the yeah. non rational well, instead, instead of irrational. Non
1: rational instead yeah. of irrational. He didn't, in a way, he didn't have to do that because the, right. the proper use of the word, he actually, in, in the abolition of man, he actually makes a distinction. Now, I, mm-hmm. didn't, do, I, didn't, I didn't realize when I was writing Dangerous Idea or, or writing my dissertation, Physical Causes and Rational Belief, a, a Problem for Materialism. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't realize this, but uh, he actually makes a distinction between, he says, now this, this emotion, he talks about, you know, how 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 ethical judgments are emotions, at least yeah. according to positivists. And he says this emotion isn't isn't irrational as a. As a paralogism is irrational, it's irrational as a physical event is irrational. Yeah. OK. Right. So basically he could he could have stuck with the irrational if he wanted to. That there he could have just said, well, there are two senses of irrational. And but the problem is that for a. That that naturalists are out here claiming yeah. that their beliefs are not non-rational. They're not. They're not just not irrational. They're all. They also imply by giving arguments for their for naturalism. They give the argument from evil for for for, for, <laughs> for atheism. They give the argument from evolution uh, as a reason for rejecting theism. Uh, you know, the that, 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 that evolutionary explanations are sufficient. They. Yeah. They uh, they they give you arguments for for, for why you shouldn't have any skyhooks, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, okay, so so they okay. so they're, so, they're uh, so I'm claiming, you know, they're pickled here.
0: Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, actually, the the uh, so you you said I'll go back to the argument, folks, one sec. Uh, you you named your book C.S. Lewis's Dangerous Idea, uh, and that was from. Um, that's from Dennett, and then one of my other friends, Jim Slagle, he he wrote the epistemological skyhook, and he's taking that skyhook claim and saying, and, and really developing your right, work. Right, right. Yeah, I,
1: I, I it's, it's kind of interesting because I was writing an article. I was I don't know if you I don't have you have you seen the exchanges I've had with David Kyle Johnson?
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's your most recent one, right? That was that's most the most recent film. one. He he, he he
1: really thinks he's got it trashed. He's got yeah. my argument trashed here, um, you know. Uh, but uh, he's uh, so I've only I, seen the I, last I, I, two from
0: here. What I've only seen the last two from here because the the CS Lewis. Right. Book, yeah, that, that it's like $100. To get a hundred dollars. Right. It's hard to
1: find. It's it's yeah. Hopefully people will. I, I one of one of the things I, I I was thinking of when I when I put when I when I sent that essay off to the essay that I sent off to um um. Uh, uh, philosophy christians i hope we will maybe may, maybe he'll respond back to it and maybe yeah he did some right? People, some, and he did and yeah. uh, some, some people will will, will go back we'll go back and look at the uh get but you got of me I'm the,
0: I'm the person book, i saw that and i said okay apparent, now i gotta apparently get the book.
1: that book but but that book is apparently prohibitively expensive yeah it is it is and so you know you, you probably should try to get it through a library system or something like yeah. that you know I, mm-hmm. I wish uh it's it's, it's paperback i i've got it sitting back in the yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you can actually read all my con- my contributions and David's on uh, academia.edu. Okay. You
0: just got to so worry you, about them sending actually, emails all the time.
1: What? Yeah, you they, gotta, send you, <laughs> they, 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 they send you all sorts of emails on there, you know, very, very <laughs> – but, yeah, you can get everything that way. You okay. can get everything, I think uh, – I, I think you can get a hold of, of at least – our exchange free. Okay. There's a fabulous exchange in that in that volume. I'm I'm not sure about all the exchanges in there. Uh, some of them are, are are interesting. Some of them I think yeah. kind of focus don't focus quite where I, where I would want to see that they're real. Yeah. I wish I wish I wish John Bevereus had been, been been one of the one yeah. of the you know, one of the contributors. Is, is he still but, is he still alive? The um, last I last I've, I i haven't emailed him in a while but yeah uh, I know he's, I,
0: he's, he's pretty tough i have his book here sitting on my desk as well
1: yeah um, he has two versions of of, of uh c.s lewis in the search for rational religion yeah and uh the
0: updated version yeah
1: that was that was really that that, that really just came out when i was first starting to write about it I and mean, he's the uh funny thing about about him is that uh in spite of being very very critical of all of lewis's central arguments um he goes from in 1985 uh, talking about how discouraged Lewis was after his exchange with Anskman, right. giving up on apologetics, and blah blah blah. Yeah, and yeah. and by by he wrote an essay uh, critiquing A. N. Wilson's biography, and he basically just just uh, just trashes that whole. scenario that that whole what i call the anscombe legend right
0: right? the legend yeah i'm so glad you worked on that yeah uh long before
1: long before he actually is like 1991 or 92 uh before i'd ever written anything about the legend as opposed to this you know the arguments Mm -hmm. uh but it's just uh it's 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 interesting he doesn't he thinks that it's it's uh it's ridiculous to think yeah. that he gave up on any of his viewpoint. Right. Of he, he has a funny thesis about how how Lewis somehow gave up on all his apologetic ideas when his wife died, huh. and I think that's uh in, in particular the apologetics in the problem of pain. I think I, I I think that's I I should probably write a detailed critique of his revised version of that yeah. sometime, but definitely, but you know. Uh, just
0: historically, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's right. Uh, right, I,
1: right. I don't think he's right about that, but, you know, Yeah. My, my... But, I, but I, I, I got, I, it's, a lot of people were very angry about beverly Lewis's book when it came out. I think partly because when it first came out, it was actually from a Christian press.
2: Uh-huh. So
1: people weren't expecting it to be something from pretty much an atheist viewpoint, which is right. what the book is. Yeah. And, but in general, um, uh, if you're a Lewis fan or a Lewis admirer, it's always better if people who don't agree with you argue with you, right. as opposed to just saying, "Oh, Lewis, he's just—he right. he, he wasn't a real thinker. You yeah. can't take him seriously." You know yeah. that, that's that, that's that's the way. That's the way a lot of people react in academia, and yeah. that's that's really unfair. It's be, right. It's much better to have somebody's out there arguing with you as opposed to having somebody doing that. But anyway, I've yeah. gotten off track here. <laughs> that's all right. That's I all right. Wanted, I want to get back to that. the, the, yeah. the I guess, Let
0: me. Let me let me lay out the five premises and then we'll then I actually have your specific arguments I want to ask you about. And so I'll just ask you, you know, an argument from intentionality and you can lay it out for us and stuff. So so first, premise one, no belief is rationally inferred if it can be fully explained in terms of non-rational causes. Two, if materialism is true, then all beliefs can be fully explained in terms of non-rational causes. Three, therefore, if materialism is true, then no belief is rationally inferred. Four. If any thesis entails the conclusion that no belief is rationally inferred, then it should be uh, denied and it's uh, it should be accepted and its denial. Oh, I wrote it down wrong. If <laughs> any thesis is entails the conclusion, it should be rejected and its denial accepted. And, and it's denial accepted. Therefore, materialism should be rejected and its denial accepted. And so the non-rational causes that you have in mind here are, are the physical cause of the universe. So all the physics is. Okay, so in other brain, words, you've
1: got you've got you, 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 in other words, and and, and by f- by full explanation, I mean a total causal story going all the way back from yeah. the Big Bang till now. I and don't
0: that's causal closure thing. as well, and that's
1: and that and, and the reason why this is a problem is because the the naturalist or at least people developing naturalistic positions typically affirm some version of the causal closure of the right. physical. They also typically hold that the physical is is, yeah. is 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 mechanistic. Yeah. And 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 that any mental explanation is, uh, without a physical underpinning is a skyhook. Yeah, got to get rid of that.
0: Yeah, and, and yet. So, yeah. so they're saying so. So basically, the the summary is, their 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 theory claims that all of their beliefs are. Uh, the, the theory itself will claim all your beliefs are formed because of physical processes in the brain, and yet they're they're acting as if they've come to it by mental causation, not physical causation. But their theory undermines. Any any mental any mental causation, and so right, right, you get the right. snake right. His tail. its
1: tail. It's mental. I mean, there, there, so there, there, there are several things that that that, that can go wrong. Uh, right, uh, and, and dif- different people have picked on different things. One is intentionality. If 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 the world yeah. is just physical, right, yeah. is there any logical bridge between a the the a determinant mental content on the one hand yeah. and the physical state of the world? I mean, even Quine. Yeah. Uh, one of his big theses is no, it doesn't follow. Right? There, it's indeterminate whether 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 a, a native speaker is talking about uh, a, a, a rabbit or undetached rabbit parts. You know.
0: Yeah. The aspect
1: but it, problem. It, but it, but it, but if if, if 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 I say uh, if 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 I say well all gab all all gabba guys are jock mix all jock <laughs> mix are uh, are. Are Trump voters, right? Therefore, yeah. all all guys are Trump voters. Okay. Well, Gav guys, Gav guy has to mean unless Gav guy means the same thing in uh, in the premise as in the conclusion, mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's it's not valid, right? Yeah, you have equivocation. You know, yeah, it, it, you have a fallacy of equivocation. Mm-hmm. So so we've got to assume the determinacy of our language, right? as literally true yeah. if we're going to to engage in reasoning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So therefore, the the the, the Quinean thesis of indeterminacy or inscrutability of reference or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it, I mean, that that can be applied to Quine's own w- word and object, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Quine's word and object, uh, we, we, we now say it's not determinate what, what Quine meant. Yeah. When he said uh, when, when he says this or says that in word and object. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, because uh, by his own thesis. Yeah. Uh, so his his position, Quine's position in word and object is self-refuting.
0: Which yeah. Is yeah. Self, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, self, self, self-referentially. He's, he's, inco- he's incoherent. Self-referentially
1: incoherent. Right. Yeah. You know, right, yeah. right uh, yeah. But and then and then you go on to uh, and then you go on to the, the whole mental causation. Well, suppose you have determined mental content. Well, now, what is the driver when one thought causes another thought is it is it the is it the mental content or is it something else? Yeah, well, and if the physical is causally closed, I maintain using the drainage
0: argument, yeah. That is the physical doing the work. Well, so, okay. yeah, that, Dr. Ruppert, that uh, drainage argument, it seems like it would make any, any, uh, any theory that holds to causal closure, it would make them um, have to hold to epiphenomenalism.
1: Yeah. is that that's, sound right? That's, that is what, that is, that is what Jaguan Kim was, uh, you know, yeah. was, going, was, was going on about the, the uh, unless you. And it's kind of funny because David Lewis, back in 1966, made an argument. Well, if, you, if you're going to believe in causal closure, you also have to believe in mind-brain identity theory, right? Because otherwise, uh, otherwise, these these mental transactions are going to be epiphenomenal, and yeah. epiphenomenal, and therefore it's yeah. got to be. But the thing is, identity theory doesn't work; uh, doesn't doesn't solve anything because identities aren't. Um, uh, the identity between uh, between a mental state and a physical state, uh, you know, that that can be a, a, a token identity or yep. or a type identity. If it's a token identity, uh, then it doesn't cause anything in virtue of being a token of this. For example, yeah. yep. if if I if if an opera singer saying uh, opera singer could might say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to impress you over here. Uh, I can I can I, I can sing my singing is so powerful that when I sing the word shatter now that uh, the, the, see that glass thing over there mm-hmm. it's gonna shatter and right. she does it right she 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 cranks it up to a high note and that glass shatters mm-hmm. uh, with the word shatter now does she have met does, does her word shatter now have any no you know, it yeah, doesn't just the physical. Because what yeah. does the work isn't the mental content of saying "shatter now." It's the it's the uh, you know it's it's the the, pitch the, the tone anything. the pitch yeah. tone and, yeah. and 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 uh, and uh, uh, decibels right yeah that's what does it right? yeah.
0: She could yeah, say don't don't shatter do. now and it's still gonna shatter. Yeah, don't yeah. shatter now. It's gonna, right, yeah, right. exactly.
1: You know? yeah, yeah. So
0: so that's the that's the mental causation. Right? Then there's a really important argument. Well, would you would you call that um is that you are calling it mental causation? Oh yeah, okay. That's that's distinct from intentionality. And intentionality would just intentionality, be intentionality, it's just
1: does, does do these states mean specific yeah. things, right? And and, and physical that, things aren't means, about things. specific things. Does do, do does that specific meaning cause right? The next effect, and then, and then, by what principles do we? I mean, th- these yeah. logical principles, right? right. Uh, which a guy, uh, a guy up in uh, Calgary, Alberta, writing his master's thesis. And it turns out this, this guy's name is Gordon Hawks. And he's he's got this master's thesis. It's it's actually longer than my doctoral dissertation. <laughs> wow. I don't know why he's only getting a master's with this with this the, the, this this, this, this dissertation length thing. But it's uh, but it analyzes this 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 argument from logical principles, or the what I call the the uh, cause the causal relevance of the uh, of logical laws. Right. Yeah. In other words, apparent. So these logical laws do they have locations in space and time? Mm. Is it? Is it? uh, If 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 it's if it's a mathematical theorem, does that have a lot a logical location in space? Has a location? Doesn't right? No, no. But yet it somehow because this holds and I see that it holds right. This this entity, whatever it is, and and I'm pretty much a Platonist about these awesome. Yeah, me too. Truths. Yeah, these lot these 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 logical and mathematical truths are really exist. They had no particular location in space and time, but they somehow are responsible for my having certain thoughts. Yeah. But if physicalism is true, everything is routed through the physical world. Yeah. And therefore, uh, therefore how could something that doesn't have any particular location? Yeah. How could that possibly have anything to do and which would, which may include the fact that modus ponens is valid. Right. Okay. Why, why would that explain why I conclude that Socrates is mortal. And if I say, if, 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 if Socrates is a man, then Socrates is mortal. Socrates is a man. Therefore, so i right. doing a propositional logic version instead mm-hmm. of a, a, a categorical, categorical logic yeah. version. But same, but, but same thing, categorical sure. logic, you know, uh, Barbara, as opposed to modus ponens, yep. whatever sure. it is. The fact that those, that Barbara is valid, always valid. Yeah. Right? that's that's a fact that this is not local in space and time, but yeah. what the what the uh, what, what the argument is uh, but but on the other hand, their view seems to be that things local in space and time actually are responsible for what we believe and then uh and then planning I think really uh has an argument from the reliability of our rational faculties, which is still another uh, argument yeah. And there's a there is there is another argument in here I didn't even mention, which is the idea that, that somehow I have to be I have to be the same metaphysical entity from one from when I think of one premise. Yeah. When I think of each premise and the conclusion.
0: Unity that assumes, of, uh, that of that consciousness. assumes
1: a unified consciousness. Yes. And that I that's another one that's really probably I think problematic for, for naturalists. But I can't yeah. I you know. I can't uh but the the actual what i think what I think lewis's argument uh, uh yeah, was originally i think is the argument from uh the the psychological relevance of logical laws, yeah, right, which is what I didn't really what I, I when 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 i did when I first started my debate with with johnson i I used the the mental causation and intentionality, I actually think that's this, this the whole business of log, logical laws of the psychological relevance is actually what Lewis has. But he doesn't say if grounding thoughts do exist, what do they got to do with? He actually says if grounds do exist, where they yeah. exactly? what exactly have they got to do with the occurrence of belief. And yeah. it seems to me that that means a, the actual ground and consequent relationship. And that ground and consequent relationship is not local to space and time. Right. And therefore uh therefore I think that that's what that's what really makes this uh, that really makes this this rash logical relations very difficult i think for the naturalist although yeah. you know uh as i said uh you know you can be somebody like like nagel really you end up and you end up really uh one you you you've got you've got to bring in teleology and panpsychism maybe and and- at, at, at the basic level and and, if you, and and you you've got to bring in uh um uh uh, you've got you've got to bring in somehow these logical truths, making a difference yeah. and so forth. Yeah. And uh, Nagel's one is really trying to do that. I think yeah. uh, uh, Chalmers, I think in in a way is another one trying to trying to trying to say, well, I'm still in the naturalistic realm, but right. there are these different levels, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think th- I, th- I think Nagel is the one that's that's pulled out the implications of that.
2: That
1: mm-hmm. that's kind of my response uh, because Johnson was was in his essay saying, well, look, there are all these people out out there who who aren't mechanists, right? But they, they don't have anything supernatural yeah. going. But it yeah. seems to me what you end up with, you end up driven if you if you take that, if if you're trying to avoid God, uh, uh, basically, I think uh, I think uh, Nagel is becoming an absolute idealist. I don't know if he's. Red bradley or you know. <laughs>
0: yeah sure but um, I, I
1: i think that's, that's that's really where, where, where he's going yeah and yeah. that's where lewis went right but he decided it didn't quite you know, know
0: we could save nagel some time if we just give him that book and say hey here's where you're ending up here uh dr nagel you know yeah. save yourself uh, that's, some, that's, some that's where time it is. yeah
1: that, that's uh, but but there are there aren't uh, the these these absolute idealists have kind of gone on, gone disappeared, and, right, yeah. and then I think Lewis has an argument at one point saying, "Well, you know, if we if we are if if, if the universe is literally a supermind, uh, and, and every thought that everyone has is really the thought of a supermind, uh, how could we ever make any mistakes?"
0: Right, and the and the different yeah, yes. indivi- yeah individuation if, is another problem. There's, there's
1: individual. If, if there aren't individual minds, then uh that are and, and a physical world that we know causes errors um you know how could how, how could we ever make mistakes so, so yeah. your your solution uh the solution the absolute idealist came up with yeah actually uh, solves too much yeah and actually puts them in a situation where they can't explain why we make mistakes
0: <laughs> yeah so uh- well, um, the, the the grounding of the logical laws. So I'm a I'm a, a theistic Platonist. You know, I'm more like Augustinian. I think the the logical laws uh, exist eternally in the mind of God, and mm-hmm. and I think there's I really like the the psychological relevance of logical laws because even we. So I would say, yeah, the laws of logic and logical inference are, are grounded in God, but also we have to have access to them, and so not just um, an argument against. Naturalism or physicalism or or whoever the targets are, but also a, a positive argument for uh, God. Yeah, that's, and the, for... That's,
1: that's the next step. That's that's where that's where Bill Hasker said, "Well, yeah. uh, you know, uh, they're they're going to keep trying, yeah. you know, and and that's what that that's what Nagel's up to, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah." He, yeah. In his, uh, you know, and uh, that's where, but there are some interesting responses to yeah. Nagel that have been written. Yep. Uh, uh, one is J.P. Moreland's uh, "The Guide to Slouching Toward Theism." Slouching. I love that yeah, terminology. Yeah. That's uh, that, 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 there's also one. Al Al Planting has responded to to Nagel. And, they were friends, uh, I think, right? Yeah, they are friends, and they yeah. they often re- reference each other in in, in their in their in their exchanges uh, and yeah. some of the things. And also, uh, there, there's a piece. I think it was in Harvard Theological Review by Dave Baggett.
0: Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, Lord willing, three, he's coming on the podcast too. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, great guy. Yeah, I, 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 I met Dave uh, in in England actually when we when I went over to uh, to attend the con uh, a C.S. Lewis conference. Uh, yeah,
0: and that uh, is, this book came out of it. Or I think maybe yeah, maybe not from right. the. That's yeah.
1: right. That's right. And that's where I did my my. Where I, where I, that was that was when I was rebutting Richard Carrier back in yeah. In 15 years ago, 15 yeah. years. when I, when, my, when my book came out, uh, Carrier put this thing online on the, on the internet infidels website, and yeah, it was, it was actually more, and it actually uh, had more in it than uh, he, he his, his was bigger than my book, so, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, it was, it was it had more yeah. pages when you, if you printed it all out, it would be actually longer than my book, I'm pretty sure, as I remember, yeah, correctly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Doctor Everett, uh, the, the, the problem is he, he kept making the same mistake over and over, over and again. Because he kept yeah. analyzing and int- he kept coming up with definition of intentionality, the presupposed intentionality. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that, I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to not do that. But you, you've yeah. had some of, you maybe more than anyone I've read, and I've read, I've read most of your stuff. But you, um, you have these epic, uh, you know, dialogue. You have a dialogical um, relationship with a lot of these. Uh, a lot of foes. You you got. Well, did you, uh, know, did you, did you know that that Keith
1: Parsons and I were were once uh, literally roomed next to one another in <laughs> house during, in, in seminary. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Uh, no, you, so do you, do you know who Keith Parsons is? He's yeah. So he, that's he, he, that's, he responded to your follow. Philo piece. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he responded to and and he actually was in the in the Philadelphia Christian uh, Yeah, him and Drange. Yeah. 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 And, along with Theodore Grange and Bill Hasker yeah. was kind of a supporter. But you yeah. Know, and it, yeah. He yeah. Uh, those, those four, that's a, but, but yeah. But Keith was Keith is we still we we still keep in touch. And oh, cool. sometimes get into little exchanges here because he's he used to post for a while in secular outpost. And of course, I I post on dangerous ideas. So, yeah. Um, that, well, uh,
0: so, so now you have uh, Johnson and you've had a lot of these epic debate partners. And I just wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite that you've you've gone back and forth with so many people?
1: Oh, I well, I gosh, I don't know. I I I wouldn't want to offend anyone.
0: Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: except, except, I think, I I think, uh, uh, but I, I it's it's uh uh. I mean, Johnson's come up with some some interesting stuff. I yeah. Think, uh, okay. The problem that he defines things in so many funny ways, like he thinks uh. that he thinks that that if you got to uh, he, he 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 thinks that the naturalist really holds that the. That the physical level is it has it contains the mental somehow, or or the mental causes are okay at the physical level if they're supervening causes. And, <laughs> I would I say that that's 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 a that's that's a that's a confusion. Uh, yeah, that would that wouldn't even be the way most naturalists would describe it. They would right. say no, there's a physical level that's mechanistic that doesn't have any mental on it, but right. this the, the, these mental states supervene and the, yeah. and the, the, those are on a different level, but the basic level is still mechanistic, right? Uh, you know, uh, Keith Parsons is Keith Parsons kind of takes and tries to make the argument that 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 reasons don't really have to be causes that mm-hmm. the causal explanations the reason explanations, are really separate. That's, that was the Anscombe line, but Anscombe kind of couldn't take that line. It was not willing to, to didn't want to just insist on that all the way down the road yeah. because it would really lead to some kind of what I think are strange consequences, <laughs> you know, drain, you know, uh, drain, I guess the ones that, that got into a uh, Jim Lippard uh, at first, um, who's in the Valley here, Keith Parsons, Theodore Grange. Uh, there's, um, did you have back and forth with, with, uh, I don't know how to
0: say it. Is it beaver's beaver slice, beaver. Uh, John I Bevers- have,
1: I have, uh, I have emailed him back and forth. I know cool. we've actually gone into the, uh, the, med, the, the central arguments here. We've had some discussions about things. I, uh, he appreciates the fact that, uh, I don't take the negative attitude. I think, uh, I did have a very negative attitude toward his first book, uh, uh uh and I really thought that he w- i i don't have that that kind of attitude now. I think it's very important yeah uh, people were really harsh uh when his book came down I was too, but i hmm. kind of when I saw what he did with uh with the with with the uh, with, with A.N. Wilson I realized that he wasn't uh, he he really serious about his admiration for a lot of things that Lewis does oh, that's great this completely doesn't buy his apologetics right I, and he's willing to argue against them I'd rather have somebody do that than, than yeah. just be kind of have have dismissive and totally negative attitude
0: and as a philosopher um, that's kind of a no, that's kind of a nod too right to, to say you're you're even though I disagree with you your work is valuable enough for me to take time to respond to.
1: Yeah right yeah uh, yeah and and well, a lot of people who t- do not don't take that attitude right. us at all you know right. and you know and you kind of you know it's kind of a snobby attitude and yeah. it's it's better that it's it's better to have somebody who doesn't do that yeah uh, and let's see uh, yeah so but I haven't had any uh, I, I I reviewed his book uh, his his revision uh, let's see I had so so there was, uh, there was carrier uh, then there was carrier came right after which I spent some time trying to respond to, but he's just kind of, he just keeps kind of saying, well, the science is figuring this all out, you know? <laughs> yeah, And yeah. we're, you know, there, there, are a lot of, and then, um, then the big ones, uh, then after that, the big one with Johnson, I guess it was a reason one that was, yeah. that was where I was actually, uh, given the, the pro side in a debate book yeah. on C.F. Lewis's writings, uh, yeah. you know, and, um, this is this is all the thing that the argument has kind of grown and developed i think i've had to respond to different types of objections from different yeah. types of people um, yeah but they don't they know, i mean but but some people i mean they look at arguments <laughs> oh well look at that computer look at look at your computer right here see now it's it, it, it's a perfectly mechanistic process and it, it yeah. can beat you in chess therefore your argument's bad yeah right and we have know? john
0: searle for that though right we uh, right We well, got the yeah. chinese room
1: yeah Yeah. right yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's right but see that look you know the, the, uh, which, uh, some people still try to, you know, you know, yeah. you know I can, I, I, yeah, stockfish can slaughter me in China. I, I, was, <laughs> right. I, 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 look, I, I, I'm, I'm the former Arizona junior chess champion. Uh, yeah. uh but the, the, uh, Fritz and stockfish and, and, uh, all those chess programs, uh, they, 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 they just kill me. They, yeah. they, they, they never miss a tactic and it's it just, right. uh, uh, you make any mistake, and you know you're you're toast. And
0: yeah, but I there's no there's them. no understanding going on. There's yeah, nothing. There's, there's no, no what it's there. like they, they, to be. They, me...
1: they they don't they don't have the uh, they don't have the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. There you go. You know? There you
0: go. That's right. Just, That's
1: right. Or even or, or 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 even any specific understanding. It's, it's these it's no, the programmers it's... that that and and on my reactions to it. You know that, that yeah the uh, uh, the and it's it's amazing what the what they were what they did. I mean they uh ca- uh. Deep blue, big Deep
0: blue, sure, yeah, right. And it's big cast,
1: You know, even though there's guys that, typing but, in, but, managers, but the but. understanding, but the, the chess understanding that was built into that computer, that deep blue computer, was came from the yeah. grandmaster by Joel Benjamin, so right, right, you know, uh,
0: well, yeah. Well, yeah, Dr. Rupert, I, I wanted to, to finish. I, I have to ask you this because I brought it up in a couple uh different podcast episodes. The, the Peter Geets, there's a story going around. I don't know if it's from you or from someone, but but Peter Geach, the story goes that Peter Geach, you know, married to Elizabeth Anscombe, t- took up Lewis's first chapter, or first chapter, th- first edition of chapter three and, and kind of argued it and, and defended it. Is that true or is that just kind of hearsay? There,
1: in a book called The Virtues, there is a famous statement by, let me, I'm, I'm going to try to find it. Um okay.
0: Yeah, as as you're looking for that, just for the for the folks at home, Peter Geach is a is a legend in and of himself, and him and Anscombe were like a, a power couple in the, the philosophical world. Yeah,
1: they're they're, they're both they're both. Um, let's see if I've got this right. Geach. Mm-hmm. No, I see. Yeah, square. It's 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 just, um Let's see. Um,
0: and I believe it was I believe it was Geach defending Lewis's the, the first chapter the actual well, it where he says, takes the
1: he takes the view he he says, uh yeah this is true that once uh there was a there was an Anglo American philosopher very well known at, at uh, uh, was at Notre Dame I, I I guess I guess it's been long enough he didn't want to he didn't want he he want to be quoted on it but I think he's but since I have this piece of evidence i'll tell you who it was yeah it's alistair mcintyre
0: oh great okay yes
1: yeah. alistair mcintyre told me this he said i think geach actually thought anskin was wrong in her claim that this that Lewis's argument was bad okay love
0: that you
1: know i mean i mean he now i, th- I think he probably agreed that there were problems with it that she pointed out but the se- the the claim that she makes at the end is you can't refute the naturalist this way Hmm. And he says, when we hear of, here's what Geach said, when we hear of some new attempt to explain reasoning or language or choice naturalistically, we ought to react as if someone had told us, uh, 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 as if we were told that someone has squared the circle or proved the square root of two to be rational, only the mildest curiosity is in order. How well has the fallacy been concealed?
0: yeah <laughs> love that quote yeah
1: yeah that, that 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 that. so so well isn't that what lewis was arguing isn't that right. so what did, did and this is part of an argument i think that he puts into a book called the virtues in 1977 <laughs> and you have to wonder what did the missus think of right your right. argument here yeah. because and not only that but one of the arguments that shows that is there was a, there was an essay that kind of starts the the uh, the modern discussion of this line of argument. Uh, Lewis's uh, Lewis's uh, revised chapter was totally ignored by everybody until Anscombe commented on it in 1981. So it was a 21 year uh, period when okay. no one no one studied what Lewis said, even though it was an improvement. And Anscombe finally came out and said hey this is he, he he revised his chapter hey it's a lot better take a look you know yeah uh but uh but um uh, so that that was like 1981 but between 60 and 1981 no one ever stood no one ever wrote or any philosophy about it and the only for the next person after after uh, Anscombe to actually comment on it was Bevers Lewis in 1985, wow. and me in 1989. <laughs> yeah. okay. it's so crazy. Uh, so, so literally 39 years, uh, or rather 29 years after uh, after Lewis in Brighton revised chapter, somebody really tries to develop what he did in his revised chapter. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But in any event, but yeah, uh, Geach apparently was was really offended by the fact that when Lewis. Uh, when when Lewis revised his chapter, he didn't say anything about the fact that he was responding to Anscombe. Oh. Uh, and, and he told Peter Van Wagen in 1973 that he didn't that that wasn't that didn't
0: should have um, acknowledged her.
1: that there should have, uh, Lewis's books never have very much in the way of enlightenment I have have very much in the way of acknowledgments anyway. Sure. Uh, so, so, so when they, when in 2005, they had, they tried to do a reenactment of the Lewis Anscombe exchange. Uh, he was offended by it. He was kind of annoyed by it. I think uh. that he thought, because I think in a lot of Lewis circles, Anscombe is taken to be this, this villain. She's the um, boogeyman. Yeah. Right. Kind of the big boogeyman. And, and it's really not, it's, it's, yeah, but, but, uh, there, there's a sense in which, uh, she was the one who, um, who who was the first to call attention uh, to at least I mean nobody really was paying any attention to the fact that Lewis had revised his chapter and to that's Anthony. a great point
0: yeah and she's she might, she
1: might be the out, hero the story. And, and, and she was also she she was also someone who said that this she I think I think when when Lewis's first essay came out she really thought oh this this Lewis guy she was just ten years of it. He just come up with these slick arguments. He's kind of a sophist. He's not he's very serious. And he's you know, not a
0: priest, so what is he he's doing? A, he's, he's kind of like a yeah. you
1: know, he's kind of like a, a, a Jesuit playing tricks on us, you know. Right. And uh, and uh, I think uh, she was absolutely shocked when she found out this was extremely upsetting to, uh, to Lewis. And uh, when when someone told her, you know, and she, she she reads it, she's like, "Oh, these people are just projecting stuff on onto the." Onto Lewis, but it turns out he, you know, she what she took, what what she respected was that Lewis took her objection seriously enough to actually ha, uh, have to revise his chapter, and yeah. it's longer and harder harder to follow actually yeah. than the original argument. But it's he, but Lewis felt felt so strongly that there shouldn't be bad arguments out there in his books right. Right. that once he once he came to believe that his argument was a bad argument uh, as it stood. Yeah. Uh, he, when he had the chance, went and fixed it. He probably should have tried. He, uh, he wasn't paying a lot of it. He wasn't doing as much philosophy at that point, you mm. know, as, as he had before, but people say that that's because ants can upset him or discourage him so much. So that he quit doing it, uh, I don't think that's true. I think no, he was, I don't think so he, I, I think he was. I think he, he was doing other stuff already. Yeah. So people. Yeah. Uh, so Anne like Wilson said, "Well, he he got so he was this this great apologist, and then he got he got he got caught with his pants down, and so he ran off and wrote Narnia. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? and it's not yeah. historically accurate. You can find a bunch yeah, that, of articles that, after that. that.
1: that. Yeah, that, that's uh, that, that 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 that's that, that's that's really bad biographer biographical <laughs> work. Actually. Right went for it but it doesn't even mention the <laughs> the, uh, the um the uh, uh, the 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 revised chapter that Lewis wrote for heaven's sakes but yeah. anyway but right. yeah that one uh with that uh, you've got um, but yeah Geech apparently accepted I don't know whether he would he would argue it for it in the same way that Lewis did I think probably a lot of things that Anscombe found as problems with Lewis's revised chapter probably weren't even there in Geech's stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, so, yeah. uh, you know, because uh, she picks a bunch of stuff that isn't really essential to the argument, I don't think. But, yeah. but then he th- he's looking at the essence of the argument saying, well, we don't really have a good answer to the main question he's asking. Yeah. Well, uh, and not and he, sure. He, I, I, she never comes out one way or the other as to whether she really thinks this is a good argument or whether it's, right. it's a bad argument in, in the, in the response, in the first response, says, this is a bad argument. You can't refute him that way. And in the, in the second, uh, in, in, when she's writing these responses and going to the uh, office, yes, she never really answers the question, is this. Uh, can you make an argument like this against the naturalist, uh, yeah. um, which not only that, but Norman Malcolm really starts the discussion of this type, It's called the conceivable. He, he really is Jaguan Kim takes off from Malcolm's exchange with Alvin Goldman. Okay. And Malcolm uh, is a, is a, is a friend of Anscombe's former Wittgenstein student. And he makes this argument. He's, uh, and he says Anscombe is one of the people who commented on it huh. uh, on on his paper. Wow! And so I, it's it would be in, it would be interesting to know what Anscombe thought of Malcolm's yeah. essay. Somebody pinned he also her down. Like to know, but yeah, you know, she's been down, dead for a number of years. But right, uh, what did she think of of Malcolm's essay, and what does she think of her own husband's yeah. argument in in his in, when when he says makes this comment about the square root of two. In in the virtues, that's interesting. That would be that's the sixty four thousand dollar question. And I don't think she actually ever answers that question one way or the other. Maybe she's not sure. Maybe she was never sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I found it I found it very interesting that in Lewis's initial comment, I think it was reported by someone who was taking notes. There, he did make the ground consequent and uh, cause and effect distinction in responding to her paper. Yeah. Already, right there, right. That there, was she first... that was
1: actually. I don't know, I don't know that 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 was in that was in the Socratic Digest. Yeah, which was which was which was, which was a little written note that he did. Right, which which is the centerpiece of his main argument later. Exactly. So he yes, It really, was already so, there. So You can't argue that he kind of gave up on his argument and then oh, about eleven years later, so, oh gosh, maybe no. there's a way of doing it.
0: No, he no, thought he, of it that he, night. He
1: thought of it. He thought of it. Not maybe not that night, but at yeah, least. Okay at least within before the Socratic digest
0: okay out, yeah okay? that's a good point
1: so that means so it's not as if he thought, and and he said and this is a problem with naturalism okay yeah so it's not as if he thought his argu- his central argument had been utterly destroyed uh which is what you which is which is what you hear from some of these biographers. <laughs> know. now yeah and and it's just it's it's, it's contradict it's not only contradicted in the in the uh, revised rights chapter, but it's contradicted in the text itself. Yeah. But anyway, I, yeah. I know where I, I know. I know we've gone over.
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm trying to respect your time. I'm I'm nervous yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I yeah I know
1: yeah. I I yeah I was I I, yeah. I, I actually uh, I I'm actually. Uh, Shouldn't have gone so far over. It
0: just, <laughs> yeah, just kept well, going
1: uh, like this, and I know not it was happened, so much so. fun.
0: It was so much fun talking with you. I, I love the argument from reason. So, I'm closing up here because it touches on uh truth and uh metaphysics and mental causation and all this stuff, it touches on everything. So, those listening out there, philosophers, theologians, take up this work. You know, you can find Dr. Ripper's work in uh, c.s lewis's philosopher i definitely recommend uh c.s lewis's dangerous idea where he goes through a lot of the arguments we covered today if you're only going to buy one do grab this book you can find them in a bunch of different philosophy uh, philosophy christy and then actually a lot of you at home will probably have this book already but the blackwell companion to natural theology uh has his uh argument from his his chapters on the argument from reason there uh, you can find the old ones in uh, in Philo uh it's just called the argument from reason. I no, shouldn't have. It. You you I, seem to have everything except I'm a, I'm a except, big fan.
1: Except uh, except that that how, how much does that cost? That It's like uh,
0: 100 bucks. I'll, I'll save oh up my goodness. I'll save up for it cuz I want it, but oh uh my well <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, that's that, that's that's super dry on your part.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean,
1: it, it has it has, by the way a great exchange between Dave Baggett and and Eric Weilenberg on the moral argument. Oh, that sounds great. Which is which is which actually makes it worth the cost. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Of course, I got mine free, so I shouldn't probably. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd pay hundred dollars to, to to get the book because of the bag at Weilenberg exchange, but yeah. because of course Weilenberg is is, is is a guy who says yeah, there are true, are ethical truths, and and uh, they're robust ethical truths, but. Um, uh, but it's it, it, this can be done from an atheist standpoint. And, yeah,
0: I think Sharon Street will have something to say about that as well.
1: Sharon Street, uh, uh, Thomas Nagel's uh, colleague. Yeah, Argus. Yeah. No, that's not. That, yeah, All right. interesting right. stuff. Oh, right. well, by the way, you are you you're a philosophy grad student somewhere? Or?
0: I wish. I wish. So I'm. A, I'm a finishing up my uh, two two masters uh, theological studies and systematic theology here at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, and then, Lord willing, uh, I'll be going on to uh, still philosophy, and then pursue a, a phd in philosophy so we'll see okay yeah. i love to i love transcendental arguments i love the argument from reason um and i'm I'm working on kind of fusing van till and um c.s lewis's argument by way of donald davidson and his triangulation argument and uh yeah uh, geach's concept acquisition kind of stuff yeah, so van till
1: thought chris thought lewis wasn't even a christian
0: yeah. They're, they're, it's crazy. That's just the worst. Yeah. Yeah. It, when he was going at other Christians, he was uh, probably at his worst. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Rupert, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, maybe, maybe sometime we can do it again. For now, that's going to uh, have to do it for us. Thank you again. This has been right. a, a huge honor for me. Uh, this has been Parker's Pensies. And as always, all glory to God.